Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Thursday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Bruno! How was your long day broadcasting golf right down the street here in Los Angeles, all the way across the country where you're at now in your studio, Chris, huh? How'd it go? I was in Connecticut, my first time to Stamford, Connecticut, and it was the first time that I had been on a golf broadcast. Uh, now, again, we're just doing an all-access channel, so it's kind of like a red zone channel for the golf tournament, but I will say uh, producers are unbelievable. Set is unbelievable. The guys I'm working with are great, and they all made it very, very easy. I first time in a long time that I have been incredibly nervous. I was explaining to somebody the other night, you know, I've been doing my local show now for the better part of 20 years. I have been on with you for seven now, and I have done the TV broadcast pre and post game for Grizzlies games for the better part of a decade. And so pretty much everything that I'm involved in is old hat. You know, you could just pick it up and do it whenever. And it was very different. And you're going to appreciate this. You know what was crazy is I actually said this to Johnson Wagner, who's a three-time PGA winner, who's the guy on with me. I said, you know, the reason that once this all started today, that it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be nerves-wise 
is honestly because of those live mismatch shows that we did. Oh. There is something about doing anything in front of a big live audience. I went through this very early in my career where, I don't know if I ever talked about this, but I was in radio very early in my career and I started doing some sales because I thought, hey, the way for them to really value me is for me to be able to, you know, sell some stuff so that they're going to make money off of me. Therefore, they're really going to value me. And so I started making some sales, you know, just to help out the station and to show my worth. And then I call, I get called into the office one day and the boss says to me, he says, hey, Chris, you are so great at sales that we're going to move you over to the sales department. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was doing this to help. So it was a total backfire. So then now I'm moved over to sales. It's very, I'm in my early twenties. Now I am moved over to sales. Now I'm not going to be on the air anymore. And so I end up going into work. I would put on a suit every day. I would go into work. I would drive in. I'd say, all right, I'm going to go do some sales. And then I would drive straight back to my apartment and I would play Madden all day. And oh, yeah. I had like my two or three accounts. And about after like a month and a half, I'm like, I can't live this way. Not only do I feel guilty because I'm just coming home. And I mean, I was amazing at Madden by the end of the month and a half. But I go back and I just I just left. And I didn't have a job. And there was a guy that listened to me who owned a comedy club. And I went and became an MC at the comedy club for, and I did this for almost a year, uh, doing different comedy shows, opening up for people and whatnot. And when I was doing that, I then found that to be, once I went back to radio, insanely instructive because you get to see in front of a live audience each and every night kind of, but I had not been in front of like a big live audience in so many years until we had just recently done those mismatch shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so anything that you're doing when there's not somebody sitting right in front of you reacting to it while you're putting on a show to me becomes a lot easier and a lot more comfortable. And so it was the first time doing this. I kind of told them, like, look, I'm not Bob Costas. I'm not Mike Tarico. I don't know what you think you're getting, but I'll do my best. And they've been great. And it was fun. You know, it's it, if nothing else, I'm gonna always get to say I got to do it. Right. It I love golf. It's a golf major. Um, you know, that's something that my father, like when I told him was super excited about and getting to watch like the idea that his son was actually going to be part of a <laughs> broadcast for something like this. It's it's all honestly like rather surreal to me still, but it's a very long winded way to say while I was very nervous, day one uh, went infinitely better than I thought it could have gone. And I think that uh, I think by the weekend, I'm probably going to be the king of Peacock. That's what I'd guess. <laughs> I think they're probably just going to name me King of Peacock and let me have free reign on whatever I want to do on Peacock. I'll probably own the channel by the time it's all done. 
Wow. I don't know. We're we bringing the mismatch from Spotify to Peacock. Is that, is that what's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, w- could there be a bidding war? <laughs> you know, so it, we're, we're now in NBA rumor stage, Kevin. We might as well throw our name. No, I'm kidding. We do need to get to all of these rumors. While the Denver yes. Nuggets did win well, I'm the glad championship. Well, Chris, I'm very happy. That's awesome. Thanks, buddy. I mean, look, I'm trying to be like you. It can't be one TV star <laughs> on this pod. And it's well, not even out. You, you, gotta, you were tipping the scales to your fame. And it's like, all right, I've got to I've, I've gotta turn up. I've got to turn Burn up. Fires I've, got, back. I've got to get on Peacock. Yeah. Oh, this guy's I mean, on we're, FanDuel we're TV. Okay, watch this. <laughs> uh, well, the, one, been, the one difference is you, you could be a guest on my show. I can't be a guest on your show. You don't know anything no about idea. golf. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. You, you would be no help. Um, look, None. there have been Zero. so many rumors. This is when the NBA becomes so much fun. Once the basketball is over, it generates so much interest throughout these summer months because we've got the NBA draft coming up. That is right around the corner. And then we have free agency. And we also have these trade rumors. And we start to look at team building and how big-time players could end up in different uniforms for next year. And we've got this NBA draft coming up. Let's start with that. Kevin, you and I spoke about this a few months ago when you were putting together your draft guide and then the lottery came out the way it did. We said, look, the only 100% surefire thing that is going to happen in this NBA draft is that Victor Wembayama is going to go number one to the San Antonio Spurs. And after that, who knows? Who knows if the team that has the second pick is going to pick second, if the team that has the third pick is going to pick third. And you could even go down the list even further. You go down to four in Houston if they're going to pick four. It seems like literally everything after one is completely up in the air. And while we opined that long ago, it seems as if I'm even more confident of that today as we are coming so close to this NBA draft. I have no idea who are who is going to pick two, three, four, maybe even five by the time the draft comes around. I know you've been talking to a lot of people. What do you think? Still no idea. (laughs) None at all. We don't even know who will be picking two and three at this point. Charlotte has the second pick. They are working out. Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson still in the last week. Uh, I know Gavoni reported that Scoot Henderson uh, outperformed Miller in his workout with the Hornets uh, for the number two pick, but they remain at least listening to trade calls. And then the Portland Trailblazers at number three, they're getting their phone is still getting calls. They're still getting, you know, rings from new Orleans or uh, teams like Indiana could be sniffing around come draft night. They have multiple first round picks, including the seventh pick they can offer. Um, I mean, like these teams are going to be getting offers for those guys for Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. For what it's worth, I think Indiana would be more looking at Brandon Miller. Some of those other teams are more looking at Scoot Henderson. So 
it's going to be fascinating to see what happens on draft night there because we kind of know the top three prospects in all likelihood will be Victor Webanyama, then Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson in some order. But we don't know the teams that will be slotted there. And then after that, for that matter, I mean, Houston at four. Amen Thompson's definitely the favorite there, but Cam Whitmore is somebody whose you know name has come up in the last week or so. I had him in my mock there last week. That was more for you know not necessarily intel based reasons, just more so to get a feel of what the board looks like. Now we're at the point where it's intel based picks in mock drafts, and Whitmore is a name that's popped up there. But who knows? We just don't know at this point, and that's what makes the drafts so exciting. There's a lot of times where let's just say. That's non-negotiable. The team that's got the fourth pick is not moving off the fourth pick. But now it could in a year like now where you've got you've got a young core of guys. You sit there and you go, we've got Jalen Green, we've got Jabari, we've got Shen Goon, we've got Tari Eason. How many how many more times are we going to double down on youth if we could use that fourth pick as an asset? We may be able to build out around these young guys we already have on our roster. And so I don't know where the and pick that, and Chris, is real quick, that's not going to be moved. That might depend. Chris, that might depend on what type of intel the Rockets are getting from James Harden yep. or Kyrie Irving. If Harden right. makes a commitment to Houston prior to the draft, you know, through through back channels tampering, you know what I'm saying. That mm-hmm. If they get a commitment from Harden ahead of the draft or if they get a commitment from a Kyrie or whoever it might be, I think you'll see them offer that number four pick for a Jalen Brown type of player. Whether it's Jalen Brown himself or they're, they're just going to offer that pick around with other types of assets, future picks, young players. Because if they know we're getting this guy, let's go for the second guy now. And I, I think that's something to keep in mind now when it comes to the next week ahead. Just uh, just wanted to, you know, color the thought a little bit there. Well, and on these draft rumors, you mentioned Portland, and there's some reporting out there about Damian Lillard and that Damian Lillard is possibly expected to stay. It really feels like whatever they do with three is going to determine what happens with Lillard. That if they can flip three in Simons, which is a package that's been rumored out there, and they can start to build out around Damian Lillard and they can get great value for that, that maybe that is now you're building with Damian Lillard in mind. If there's nothing out there of great value, if you're not going to be able to use that in order to bring in the requisite amount of talent you would need around him, then maybe you just bail, use three, and move Lillard, and you start the rebuild. It feels like that's that package that Portland has that is going to include three wherever it goes, that that is going to determine the future of Damian Lillard. Don't you agree? Yeah. Uh, I would agree. I, I think, you know, it's worth considering what the always plugged in Brian Windhorse said this morning, the third, or maybe it was Wednesday morning, what he said about Damian Lillard, that it's quiet right now. And we haven't heard anything about Damian Lillard being on the move. And I think that speaks to exactly what you're saying, which is it's what happens with Dame is going to depend on what happens draft night with that number three pick. You know, for Portland, I don't think, you know, I just mentioned Jalen Brown in regards to Houston. 
Houston would have actual interest in trading for Brown because Ime Adoka has a connection with him. They could feel confident about him resigning. I don't think Portland would feel that with Jalen Brown. I don't think Portland would necessarily feel that with a, say, Pascal Siakam from Toronto if he were offered to the Blazers. But a Zion Williamson, who is already locked up long-term, that's the type of player that the Blazers I would see targeting more so than the guys who are free agents in the next year or so, like Siakam, like Brown. They'd want the longer-term player who's guaranteed to be part of this next tenure with Damian Lillard if they even move the number three pick. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Well, and this is really fascinating because you mentioned Portland with Zion, and we've always thought that since the lottery shook out the way that it did, Scoot Henderson, let's just say that that is the team that, or that is the player that some teams covet, and they feel like they need to get up to two in order to get him. I have never felt like Scoot Henderson and LaMelo Ball is a good fit next to each other. I don't think you're ever going to maximize either of those two guys. I think both those players need the ball in their hands. And I think Scoot Henderson... Lamelo would have to buy in big time. And and I just don't buy it. I think they both need the ball in their hands, and I think both of them are all-star level point guards when we're looking up in a very few years. With that being said, you know, you, you said Portland, that pick right above them, which is Charlotte has been connected possibly to the New Orleans Pelicans and the aforementioned Zion Williamson because of their want to possibly get up and get Scoot Henderson. Mark Stein reported on the situation and said that it has reached a point where the Pelicans, he makes it sound like they're exasperated and that they would consider trading Williamson if it meant moving into the top three of the draft to get Scoot Henderson. That's what he wrote. I heard this week from one well-placed observer who is convinced that the Pelicans would indeed consider dealing Williamson away if it meant they could draft Scoot Henderson, pointing to a rising level of exasperation within the organization regarding Williamson's ongoing availability issues and overall approach. My read at this juncture is that the Pelicans are less inclined to consider trading Brandon Ingram in the same scenario. Brian Windhorse said he doesn't think Williamson's trade value is all that high right now, but that non-guarantees on his contract could possibly make him more appealing. He said the Pelicans are attempting to move up in the draft to select Scoot Henderson, which means they're almost certainly open to trading away Zion Williamson. I don't think his value is sky high right now, Windhorst said, but he has a contract that protects the Pelicans or whatever team from further injury. It's not fully guaranteed. Obviously, his value in January was a lot higher after another injury plague season. And so, man, oh man, you know, you kind of floated this last episode or a few episodes ago. And I was like, geez, I never even considered that they would possibly be trading 
Zion Williamson. Now we're to the point where not only do you have two very well-respected reporters reporting like, hey, yeah, it has reached that point. You have one saying, you know what? Yeah, they would consider it, but I don't even know how high his value is right now, which is kind of crazy to think. It's almost like, I guess on first blush, I would go, okay, look, I know the guy's been injury riddled, but Zion Williamson, like, of course, if you could get him, you're getting (sighs) Zion Williamson, but I guess it's just gone so far and people have so many questions that it's like, the idea that they're wrestling with moving the second pick of the draft or the third pick in the draft to get a guy who looks like when he plays is one of the best players in the entire NBA. Every time he one plays. One of the 10 best. Yeah, the Pel- Pelicans had the second second best record in the West at one point with Zion looking like an all-NBA guy. And how many times and have we said this like when that. he's playing, Kev? You, when you, whenever we bring up the top 10 thing, I said, look, we line every all the NBA players up and we're going to pick teams. You ain't getting past 10 before somebody takes Zion Williamson. <laughs> Just not. Yeah. Well, if I he's mean, healthy. That's the thing. And like I know Stein in that same article over on his on his Substack, he he wrote how for the Charlotte side of things, Michael Jordan still owns the team. He hasn't sold yet. And and Zion is a Jordan brand athlete. So Michael Jordan, through his own connections as well, I'm sure he's got strong intel on Zion and, and a sense of how he would fit into that Charlotte Hornets atmosphere in North Carolina, close to home with, with Zion being from Carolina. I mean, being close to home isn't always the best thing. Maybe in Zion's case, it could be a good thing. Uh, but I think from Michael Jordan and the Hornets that they have a fair amount of intel there. With Ingram, it is interesting how Stein says that the Pelicans are less inclined to move him, and I get that as well. I don't. I don't know what I do if I'm the Pelicans. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm so split on, and I kind of change hour to hour. And I would imagine a lot of the people in that organization feel the same way. Um, it also, though, Kev, I, it I just speaks don't know. to I don't what know. they think. Well, I think a lot of that depends on what your level of conviction is on well, Scoot and they, and they know and more than And they know more than anybody about Zion, Chris, too. For sure. But if there's anything we know, we know what level of conviction they must have that Scoot Henderson is going to be a big star in the NBA if they're even yeah, considering I mean, it. No, you may yeah, not agree but I, with I that, but also, like, if you're even thinking about I, I know, that, I know, I know, in regards to a top three pick, because and 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 it's not like because they might want somebody there. It's very specific. Everybody says, yeah, but but the Pelicans it's, it's want Zion's played him. 114 games in four years, Chris. I think it speaks more to that. 114 games, four years. I get it. When he plays. And I think if you were the other team, you would, you'd make every excuse in the world. You'd say, uh, it was that organization. It was where he got drafted. It was, he's, and we're going to get him in here and we're going to, you know, we're going to treat him differently than he, than the treatment he has gotten already this season. There's going to be an expectation about him. And, you know, Everything that's gone on with his injuries, you remember how strange it's all been anyway. And these are sometimes the pressures of 
a small market team not wanting their star to want to be elsewhere. And so I do think it's fair to opine whether or not they drop the hammer on him like maybe another organization would regarding his weight, regarding his rehab, regarding anything, you know, because you're a lot more timid when you're a small market team who's got one of these big stars. It's a criticism that's come across in some ways for Memphis that, you know, there's always a fine line that you walk because you don't want to, in this day and age, every organization, whether it's a big market or small market, is worried about their star's level of discontent with the organization, right? They want everybody to be happy. And maybe there are some things they wish they would have done differently with Zion. And I think if you were trading for him, you'd convince yourself of that. That like, hey man, we'll get him to lose the weight. We'll get him to take his rehab seriously. And God forbid this guy ever stay healthy for an amount of time. He is literally a franchise-altering player. And there just aren't many of those in the world. And so I get it. He's only played 114 games. It's been a sad story thus far. What would you do, Chris? Would you put him on the table for number two? Or let's just say not not for two necessarily, but for Scoot. Would you put him on the table for Scoot? I would not trade him. I would be terrified. And you're the guy who sang the Zion song to me. I know. For all the Pelicans goofing, you have never heard me say one false word about him as a basketball player. There are very few guys in the over 20 years that I've been going to games that I've ever seen like that. I mean, he, he might truly be one of one where I saw him some nights where I thought, what the hell are you supposed to do with this guy? Just an absolute force of nature. And I would be terrified that you look back and that this guy becomes, like, there's very few guys that have a chance to become one of the best five players in the league. He's in that category. I just would not, I I would not be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. Not for an unknown. Not for an unknown. Because yes, he's only played 114 games. But man, if you could ever get him healthy for 65, he could be, the best player on an awesome team. And I love Scoot. It's still, as we know, a question mark. There's no question mark on Zion when he plays. This isn't like a bus situation. Like Greg Oden, you go out there and average eight and eight when you play. Every time he plays, he's awesome. Every time he plays. <laughs> like, and not like kind of awesome, not even like he gets you 16 and nine. He gets you like 28 and nine on high efficiency. But Chris, not just 28 and nine, he gets you and five. He's yeah. also a playmaker too. You know, high I mean, efficiency. Like unbelievable. Yep. He's just too big of a talent. I couldn't do it. Not yet. I couldn't. And it might be too late by the time I would. It depends on the deal. You know, he comes back next year. He comes back next year and he plays, you know, 30 games. Now you're effed. I get it. I mean, listen, like like I said, the horn the the Pelicans know more about Zion than any of us. 
And if they feel like his value is indeed depleted, well, then the, I would, Mariah under, I would understand. No Mariah Mills and then Who's that? Oh, Mariah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she, she, she knows quite a lot. Very, very intimate. We should details. ask her. <laughs> I don't, I, well, maybe not. Maybe not yet. Maybe in yeah. a month. Yeah, maybe not now. It's, it's fresh, fresh, fresh for her, you know. Still, know. still, she's still tweeting to this day. To um, your point. But yeah, not. But yeah, the Pelicans know more than anybody, and if what they know is extremely troubling, and they they don't see him as a hard worker, um, they think he needs to work harder on his body. Zion thinks he's work he works hard, but he doesn't. He's like the least hard worker on the team. I don't know, man. It's really tough. Like it's such a tough issue there because like I'm not as high on Scoot as you are, and you wouldn't even do it. So uh, I think that says something there about where we're both coming from. There's just not many guys in the world like him. And I'd be so terrified for him to like commit himself, get healthy, and fulfill his potential. Because if he ever did fulfill his potential, it's curtains. He's truly, you and I both agree, one of the best players in the world. If you could get him to fulfill that potential. And I would still just be so scared that there's time for him to do that. It's not like he's old. It's not like he's no, old. No, he's just a kid still. And then the interesting thing from the New Orleans side is they they got rid of his favorite coach on the staff, Teresa Weatherspoon. And that was the person who was very close with him. And there were stories written about her being, you know, a nice advisor on the staff to Zion with him going through stuff. And then poof, they just got rid of her now. Uh, today that news came out. So I don't know if that says a lot or nothing, um, but it it definitely, I think it definitely says something that they got rid of her, Zion's favorite coach. So um, maybe they think it's for the best for Zion if they end up keeping him, that he just has a clean slate entirely. But um, that I, the fact they're thinking about it, they should be thinking about it. No, they may just have this opinion that he's not fulfilling his potential here either way. That's a possibility. Yeah, in like New you Orleans, said. no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. He needs it's a fresh start. In New Orleans. It's not happening yep. here. We've it tried. Might, We've done it that. all. There's too much water under the bridge. We can't get this guy to do what we need him to do to become the franchise star that we want him to be. And if he does it somewhere else, we can live with it because it was never going to happen here for whatever reason. Because the thing is, Chris, we talk about potential, right? And we see the flashes from Zion for 114 games in four years. But what works against potential is lack of work ethic. Sure. Zion checks that box. Lack of conditioning. Zion checks that box. Injury concerns. Zion checks that box. I mean, like that's like like a lot of strikes against him for reaching oh, his no. potential. Look, Kev, right? you go through a fifth season and it's the same that has been the first four. You're never getting the number two pick of the draft for that guy. Hmm. So it's that's the risk. They just have so much other young talent too, man. Like that's why I've been so high on the Pelicans. Aside from Zion and Ingram, you got one of the best defenders in the league and Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, one of the better young players, three and D guy, knocks down shots, scores at the rim at a high rate. Uh, Dyson Daniels, an up and coming guy off their bench, had amazing defensive positions against Luca. 
Uh, like this team has so much talent on the roster, so many quality future picks of value. Uh, so in some ways, I'm like, yeah, if you can get, if you can kick the can forward with the value of Zion, even if it, even if Zion works out with Charlotte or Portland or whoever you trade him to, and you get another great player in your own right, and maybe you get more than just the two or three pick, maybe you do end up getting another future asset or a second round pick or something like that or a player. You have so much other young talent for that player to grow with. It just changes what you are and how you kind of envision this team building out. And I get so, it. If they're just saying, yeah, look, I get, hey, I do get look it, yeah. they could convince me. I, I could I could listen to it, and I'm sure they could make a very uh, persuasive argument that like, yo, we just spent four years getting, he's holding this hostage. Like, we got to figure out what we're doing. And we tried. And we tried for four years. And it's not taken. And so we've got to decide that we cannot allow this situation to hold us hostage any longer. And we can't get him to do what we want him to do. We can't get him to rehab like we want him to rehab. We can't get him to be monitored like we need him to be monitored. and. He needs a fresh start, and we need to stop making our future plans around this guy. We can't do it any longer. And I would understand. I would understand that. I would. I understand the exasperation, for goodness sakes. I'm just talking about it's a lot easier for me to say uh, that I wouldn't want to do it. I'm not the one that's been held hostage for four years and trying to make my off-season plans every year only to have them foiled by the fact that this guy is unavailable and seemingly unwilling to work hard to be available. I'd be pissed about that. <laughs> I yeah. get it. I get it. Yep. And it's going to be fascinating. It's more likely at this point that we see a Bradley Beal uh, trade than we do a Zion trade with Beal being now in conversations Miami possibly interested, New York possibly interested. Um, that like that that feels like something that's far more likely that we see next Thursday than a Zion trade. Bucks have come up, Kings have come up as possible. Bucks teams. surprises me. Would you trade Drew Holiday for Bradley Beal? Um, I actually think is what I was going to say is. If you could pull off having Brad Beal as your second banana, he has been woefully miscast as the best player on a team. But if he can be the second best player on the team, now you've got something. And man, if you've got Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brad Beal, yeah, I I sure w- I sure do love the idea of that. I think that that's actually perfect. Like it's. He's in that terrible spot. Well, I don't know if it's terrible, but it, it, he gets paid like the best player on a team. But you've got to have somebody better than Brad Beal on your team. Okay? We know that. We need, you need to have – he can't be your best player. He could be your second best player, but he can't be your best player. And that's like the perfect situation because there's not that many guys, not a huge list of teams that actually do have a better player than Beal and have a star that he would 
fit with well. And I do think Beal and Giannis would be rather devastating. Mm -hmm. I agree. Get this terrible situation with the guys that are having to run the Wizards now where Tommy Shepard inexplicably gave him a no-trade clause. I mean, he's the only player in the league. That, I mean, not only did they give him $251 million, he's got the no-trade. So he has the ability to veto. So now you're hamstringing yourself into what you might be able to move, or a team you might be able to move him to that would give you the best possible return for Beal. <laughs> where you get to the point of yep. you're dealing with a team that he would okay a deal to. And that just whittles it down so much. So he, he basically can choose choose where he wants to go and for how much he goes for that team to that team. I mean, there's so a reason the nobody Bucks, gives guys this. Kev? Yeah, I know. So if the if the Bucks <laughs> if the Bucks make an offer that the Wizards are willing to accept, he could very well say, you know what? I want to go to the Heat, oh. and and then it's over for the Bucks at that point. It's kind of like free agency in a way for Beal, where he gets his choice. For the Bucks side of things, Drew Holiday very quietly. Yes, he's an outstanding defender, one of the best in the in the world. But in his three years in the playoffs with the Bucks, forty total games, he's thirty nine point six percent from the floor, which includes forty five percent from two, thirty percent from three. Um, like he has not been a productive scorer. Those are Eric Bledsoe-esque numbers in the postseason from Drew Holiday on offense. Bradley Beal would be a significant boost on the offensive end for Milwaukee. Granted, he's not anywhere as good in the same stratosphere as Holiday on defense. Neither is, you know, the difference is similar for offense with what Beal provides rather than Drew Holiday. And if they build a system that's you know that enables Beal as an off-screen guy and a pick-and-roll guy. You can use him with Giannis and Brooke Lopez in so many different ways. And if Middleton can get back healthy, that backcourt would be so dynamic. They can share ball-handling responsibilities, maybe target a, a playmaker that you bring off the bench to settle the offense. Because Drew Holiday is not a traditional passer either. They've always kind of done it. it by committee, so... I get it, but you brought up the holiday stuff. I'd move off Middleton. That's yeah, what I'd try I mean, to maybe. I'd try to make Beal my Middleton replacement. I just, not don't, my I just don't think I just don't think that's gonna happen. Chris Middleton was in the coaching meetings. He was part of the conversations for who they hired at head coach. I'd be surprised if it were Chris Middleton that gets moved. Drew Holiday himself has already said he's gonna retire after this current contract. And whether he sticks to that or not, he does seem like somebody who's potentially going to retire for the 2025 season after 2024-25. Mm -hmm. I just think it proved that it's going to be hard. Again, I guess we don't have the best read on what the new owners would think, but good grief, Kev. You're going to pay Middleton what his going rate is going to be once this contract's up, and then you're going to have that deal contract, and you're going to have the Giannis super-duper quadruple max i mean you can't afford all that can't afford all that yeah i mean well you could but uh, it's gonna restrict not you without years to being come. second aproned out unless you've just got a bunch of mins around everywhere yeah you're not affording all three of those guys well not that's well, why not, you have to make a choice the, on the, that the 
the penalties, you know, some penalties go in this year, some go in next year, some go in the year after. So it's three straight years where the second apron penalties are kind of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. layered in. It's not all at once. Like the the harshest tax effects go in for the 25-26 season. Next season is when the frozen draft picks happen um, right. and, and it's triggered after multiple years. And then this year is where you get the trade restrictions, can't use the mid-level and some other stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it'd be restrictive still uh, considering the new rule. Yes, that's true. Um, but it is an upgrade. The yeah, reason it's being brought up is because of the honest stuff, right? It's like, yeah. hey, we got we to gotta give this guy a team he can win the title with. And we got to do it soon. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we don't want to pressure on with him. Yeah, with him feeling like he can't win with the roster that we have. You know, you mentioned Miami as a possibility on a Beal thing. Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald suggested he threw out there that maybe there could be a path and obviously it would take a lot of cooperation to where the Heat could get Damian Lillard and Brad Beal. <laughs> I was highly I'm unlikely, sitting there, but, I'm but sitting not there reading that. I'm like, well, you're gonna pay two hundred million dollars for Damian Lillard and Brad Beal. Like both of those guys have contracts that you're gonna look up and you're paying them a combined $130 million in a couple of years. What? I like my idea much better. Go get Dame or Beal and then Chris Dapps Porzingis. You like that Porzingis to the Heat thing. Yeah, I mean, he you just like had his fit. best season defending the pick and roll since 2017-18. He shot the heck out of the ball, 39% on catch and shoot threes. They're like, there's just, we talk about Brooke Lopez. I said it on Tuesday show. There's nobody like Brooke Lopez. If you're looking for the closest thing, it's Chris Stapps Porzingis. And you yourself said, imagine if you could allow Bam to play in a Giannis-like role. Well, who's, who, you're not getting Brooke Lopez, so maybe you get the next best thing and go get Chris Stapps Porzingis and roll the dice for the one-year player option for KP. Help, maybe he stays healthy and you end up winning the championship. Who knows? I just think KP is worth the gamble for some of these teams that don't have a ton of other options. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I've been waiting my whole life to ask you this very question. 
Your whole would life. You'd rather have. Oh, boy. Not really my whole life. Really since about 10 seconds ago when I thought of it. <laughs> would you rather have Chris Tapps Porzingis or Carl Anthony Towns? Can I ask a follow-up question before I give the actual answer? Is this for this one season? It's not the way this game works, like, Kevin. It's not the way I'll it works. I'll take Chris Tapps Wow. You really hate yeah. Cat now. Even though what he did with Pat Bev was more impressive than the Denver Nuggets title, according to him. <laughs> what, 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 what were they smoking? Something good. No, I'm serious. Like, what, what, what were they smoking on that pot? He said Some they of only the stuff had, that's come out. They didn't have long. Hey, they didn't have long to throw it all together. That's what's impressive about it. They threw Man, that together Chris, with just a uh, Hey, they made the play-in and the eight seed with just having a training camp. Like, the Nuggets have been around forever. Man. I, I, I watched that, and I'll tell you what. I saw the social clip come up first. It was like 1 a.m. in the morning when I saw it. I was about to get ready to go to bed. And before I did that, I pulled up the YouTube video because I was like, "There's I got to listen to the context here. What was the question? Like, what set him up to say this? And no, oh, yeah, no for those that don't know what we're talking it, it, about, please yeah. explain. Um, <laughs> it's almost, it's hard to believe almost that, that it's real. But Carl Anthony Towns uh, on on Pat Beverly's podcast. Yes, Pat, Pat, Patrick Beverly has a podcast. If you did not know that, <laughs> um, he said the Timberwolves making the 2022 playoffs was more special than the Nuggets winning the championship. And his rationale for that was because they had like four months to prepare for the, for that, whereas the Nuggets had like four years. He <laughs> And also on that podcast, for what it's worth, he said uh, he will change the game. Like when his career is over, people will say he changed the game of basketball. Um, I, I say it again, Chris. What were they smoking on that podcast? <laughs> just I don't I don't know I like I watched that and I'm thinking to myself huh, if I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves executive I'm like can we really win with this guy can we really with that type of mindset and approach to the game I don't know I don't know I don't know it's one thing to like do it at the lunch table Man. or do it in a barber shop or do it when you're at the club with your buddies or whatever Get a microphone in his face on something that is actually going to be broadcasted and said that. And he totally believed it. Like he said it with conviction that what they did was more special. It's truly unfathomable. Unfathomable. <laughs> and I don't know yeah. what he's, what is, how is he changing the game? I don't know, man. I mean, he did say he's in what bad, way? better than Dirk Nowitzki. Remember when that quote a couple of years ago where he said he's better, uh, the greatest shooting big man of all time, greater than Dirk Nowitzki? That was last year he said that. Well, maybe he's just doing like a, he's probably listening to those like positive thinking podcasts, you know, like positive affirmation where you like just, you just got to say crap in the mirror like every morning. And then you start to believe it. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you get up in the morning and you walk to the mirror and you're like, I am handsome. I am handsome. I am handsome. And then like, you know, you start to believe that you're handsome, even though you might look like Gargamel or something. Whereas 
he just stands there and he looks in the mirror. He goes, we were more impressive than the Nuggets. We were more impressive than the Nuggets. Yeah, we lost to the... I guess it's just all... I'm better than Dirk. I'm better than Dirk. And he just says it. And then he just starts to believe it. And I, that's the only thing I can come up with. It, I'm going to blame some kind of power of positive thinking, something that he read or listened to where it, you know, forces you to say things that as cockamamie as they may be, you start to believe. It's the only way. Or, or he smoked incredible amounts of marijuana. Yeah. Another possibility. Maybe both. Possibly both. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Listening to the pod while drinking or while uh, smoking and saying some marijuana. <laughs> I feel like there that there's a lot of people that smoke a lot of weed that do love podcasts like that. You know? Yeah, I'm sure there's people listening to our podcast right now cackling while their edibles are kicking in. <laughs> we I certainly still haven't used marijuana since la- last August, Chris. I haven't called you Kevin O'Cannabis in so long. I, I think it's, I think it's going to actually, when I, I'm allowing myself to use, to, to use weed again, uh, on a limited basis when I hit 200 pounds, right? So when I, when I lose 30 pounds, that's when I'm going to allow myself to give the reward of being able to use it like, you know, here and there during the summer. I don't think I'm going to hit 200 until August would be my prediction. So it might be a oh, year. Oh, come on, Kevin O'Pelaton. <laughs> You'll be there before you know it. <laughs> nah, I think I might. My projection. You'll be there is before August. you know it. Late. I mean, but the thing is, is I'll be on the road in Vegas. I got Vegas coming up. Don't make you know, excuses. Then my, bir- then my birthday in late July. There's some stuff that's, that's you know, even during the playoffs. You know, I I kind of I kind of plateaued, which is fine. I was maintaining, but not losing, which is okay. I'm happy to maintain, um, but not gain. Um, but I would project late July, early August is when I'll hit 200. So yeah. I know so how to motivate all. you. Let's just get you booked on that K. Adams show a couple more times, and you'll be <laughs> 195 before you know it. <laughs> you don't fool me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna be 195, Kev. Get you booked on that <laughs> K. Adams show on FanDuel TV. Down, down, to, down to 180 real fast. <laughs> so start taking that like diet shot, you know, the diabetes weight loss thing that people are doing. You know, you Ozempic saw that? or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? I'd be scared to take that. I mean, like so it's when, medicine I, for it's diabetes. Your, it's, your, it's what your guy Elon Musk took. He did? Yeah. I, I know one. Per- I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to say their name, but I know. I've. I know one person that uses it, and like they say, oh, I love it. I love it. It works great. Well, you know and that. I, I don't know, you know I that. Can't. I don't know which one he took, but you know that. Uh, you know that picture that was going everywhere with he's like out at the lake with his shirt off or whatever. Somebody oh, brought yeah, that up. That, yeah. And then they asked him how he lost the weight. He did this intermittent fasting and then took that. Whatever that was, interesting peptide peptide yeah. thing. That so many the, people in Hollywood the, are taking. The thing is, like I've read, you know, if you use it, yes, it helps you drop weight quick. But then you stop using it, your weight comes back. I don't know. I mean, it is K Adams. <laughs> 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 I 
Last thing before we get out of here. Do you think Zach Levine is a Chicago Bull next year? That's another name that's being thrown around as possibly a big-time player that could move somewhere, right? I don't know. I don't. I mean, look, he's making forty million dollars this coming season. He'll be making forty nine million dollars in twenty six, twenty seven when he's thirty one years old. I just. And by the way, he's also got a fifteen percent trade kicker in the deal too. I, I just don't know who's gonna make a move for that deal. Last thing, draft is right around the corner. Uh, anything that any opinion that you have changed recently, or somebody that you have moved up or moved down significantly recently as more intel uh, comes in? Anybody that no, you've I don't, I don't uh, think... maybe started to like more, the more you've dove into it and the more people you've talked well, to about kind uh, yeah, of what they sure. think about a guy? I think, I think like this is the point where, you know, most of the draft profiles that we'll post in the guide are made. We're going to add a, probably a handful more next week where it's 63 total profiles in the guide right now. I expect that to get over 65 next week. So most of the profiles that we're going to have are done. I'd say in terms of my rankings, I've kind of moved some guys back to where I had them before, like Noah Clowney, um, Jet Howard. I've moved them both back into my top 20 after they kind of just slipped out a little bit. Um, you know, Because now you're at the point where you're reevaluating a lot of guys. You're, you know, you're having conversations with people about them, getting intel. But for the most part, I think everybody's generally in the range that they'll be in. I mean, I'll shuffle some things with my with my big board next week. Mock draft, I mean, we'll see. Like this is gonna be a, a weird, a weird draft. Like I think you're gonna see some guys surprisingly go in the late teens or twenties and some guys surprisingly drop to the thirties. Um, so I think it's gonna be that type of year in terms of the, the mock drafts, um, with how things result on draft night itself with the actual draft. But my big board, it's pretty 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 set for the most part. Is there anybody you think or you have found that you have a conviction about or you are higher on than most? Um, I mean, at one point, that was Taylor Hendricks. I think I was the first person or one of the first people that had him in the top 10. Like, that's a lot of people have moved in that direction now. Um, I don't think there's anybody I have ranked tremendously lower than, than, than the consensus right now. Uh, maybe, maybe I have Kim Wentworth a little lower than some people. I have him at nine. Some people have him in the top five. I saw Sam Bassini has him number three on his, on his board, but you know, three to nine, I, you know, that's not a dramatic difference in my opinion. Um, but I mean, maybe Bryce Sensabaugh, I have Sensabaugh 16 on my board. I've played around with having him at 14, 15. He's somebody I've seen others have him in the late twenties. Um, so I think Sensabaugh is a guy out of Ohio State. He's a six foot six wing. He's a go-to scorer type guy in college. He didn't play a lot of defense, except for you know some games he didn't pass the ball a whole lot either. But he's one of the best three-point shooters in the draft. He's a pull-up guy from mid-range with kind of a vintage, you know, slower pace style. You know, looks like a TJ Warren type of guy. Um, or like a Paul Pierce imitator, you know what I'm saying? Like that type of mm-hmm. player, just to give you a visual for the people who don't know his game. So Sensabaugh, I like a lot. And um, I'm, I think I probably like him more than the average. But I don't know, for the most part, I, f- I feel like this year is uh, from the 20 to 40 range. It's more about, you know, to each their own. And I'm sure I have some guys ranked higher than others and vice versa. But, you know, that that range is all like it's a big lump 
20 to 25 to 45 or so. But in the top 25, like I said, Bryce Sensabaugh is probably the one that comes to mind first above all everybody else. There is no telling what all is going to happen in the next week and what this NBA draft is going to look like. Big names that could be moving around. You know, some of the names that we've talked about, Damian Lillard, Zion Williamson, like who knows? And it's all kind of in connection with the draft. And so who knows who picks where and who knows what players are possibly moved in conjunction with those picks moving elsewhere. And we may just show up in a week and everybody picks where they were going to pick. <laughs> yep, but at could least, be no trades hey, at all. <laughs> we know this. There's going to be a million rumors until then. And oh boy, we'll yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about. It's going to be super Whole fun. We'll lot, do it again. Chris. Yeah, we're, we're we're going to be, uh, what, what are we going to do next week? We're going to be Monday night again, right? Yeah. So we'll be doing a Monday night recording and then probably a Friday morning recording, right? Yep. Is our plan. So after we'll do Friday draft. morning after the draft. And then we'll, we'll sum up all the rumors earlier in the week, Monday night, Tuesday morning. It's going to be a blast. Next week will be a fun, fun week. Thank you to our executive mm-hmm. producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kevin, I will talk to you early next week. Looking forward to it.